featherweight standout daniel swain how you doing man um how's life man you got a bunch of kids out there is it uh is it a busy busy lifestyle right now it's uh it's the busiest lifestyle some could say uh i'm doing good my wife just had a baby last friday i got a one week old this morning so uh and then i got four other kids on top of that so life is crazy i got the biggest fight of my life coming up in less than two weeks also so Man, we're just uh, we're struggling, but we're getting through, and we're we're excited for the 11th to get here. Definitely, man. It couldn't get any better, right? Absolutely, I'm so happy, <laughs> man. My cup's full for sure. Now, Spokane, Washington, that's your home. Uh, I love the state, man. I lived out there for like nine years, so I know it well. How has the first half of 2020 been for you? I think, like for most of America and the world, it's been kind of crazy and unsure, right? Um, I learned in January that I would be fighting on the contender series. I didn't have an opponent or anything yet. And then boom, all of a sudden coronavirus hits. And so now I'm like, is this still happening? What's going on? And then finally they said they're pushing everything back to August. So I was like, all right, let's go. August is when it's going to happen. So, you know, it's been, it's been okay. We knew in January. So we started training in small groups with my coaching staff uh, in like May to start getting ready because we didn't know exactly when the date was going to be. Um, but other than that, man, homeschooling all the kids is pretty crazy. Uh, trying to find stuff to keep them active and interested in doing anything. And so they don't turn into, cause I got a preteen, a 10 year old and a seven year old. So, and they're all boys and they can get pretty ornery pretty quick if they're not entertained. So I feel like Russell Crowe and gladiator just constantly going, are you not entertained? <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's been a crazy 2020. I'm excited, though. It's going to be uh, probably one of the best years of my life, honestly, even with all the coronavirus stuff. That's awesome. That's great to hear, man. Now, you have competed all over the world, fought all different types of guys. Is that? Do you think is that what separates you the most from all the other competitors on the Contender Series? Yeah, I, I think about my road to get to where we're at now. And, man, it's it's such a long road. It's I've taken every back road alley shortcut that makes it longer uh i feel like bugs bunny when he comes out of the hole and says he should have taken a left at albuquerque man it's been i've been doing this for 10 years with the same goal and finally we're here um i'm excited man i like i like you were saying i fought every style of fighter on most continents around the world um tj laramie has not done that most of his fights are in canada against guys who are not at my level or at the level of guys that i've fought so i think uh you know that is definitely going to be a big help for me is experience wise. I know no matter what he does, I mean, I've fought guys just like him. My, uh, when I won the cage sport title in Seattle, I fought a guy named Nathan stolen who was 10 and two at the time and had a big right hand was a decent wrestler. Um, and I went out and demolished him in a minute 30. I expect to do the same thing with TJ Laramie on the 11th. Yeah. There's no such thing as a enemy territory for you because you've been all corners of the world. Yeah, man. I, it's one of my favorite things to do. I love going into a crowd that's booing me and then shutting them up and silencing them, man. That's my favorite. I love it. I fought in Japan, China, Russia. Every time, man, the crowd is not on your side and it gives you that extra edge that just makes you want to hurt that guy even more. You go from being booed in WWE territory, now you go to the contender series to the apex where it's dead silent. And you could only hear the commentators, your coaches. That's going to be kind of weird, right? It is going to be kind of weird, but Japan's crowds are kind of similar to that. They're going to be so quiet. Like, you don't hear anything except the coaches and the the commentators. 
granted, I can't understand what the commentators are saying, but they sound like they're having a good time. Yeah. But then as soon as something happens, you the whole arena erupts into an applause and then right back to silence. So it's really not going to be that different. Plus, also coming from wrestling, it's not the biggest spectator sport, especially when I was doing it growing up in a rural town like uh, Newport, Washington, where I'm from. Um, so I'm used to wrestling in a big gymnasium with not a lot of people in there. So it's really not going to be anything for me. I'm just going to go in and do my thing. Um, one way we have been trying to get ready for it, though, is like we're we're turning off all the music during sparring sessions. Um, we're trying to make it as few people as possible to kind of really get used to that quiet nature. You know what I mean? And then also, like, just not being able to call out the regular combos. Normally, I'm fighting international guys, so my coach can just say English words and we're good. Um, fighting TJ Laramie from Canada in Las Vegas, that's just not going to Like, if he calls out a one, two, three, two, I mean, TJ knows what's coming. It's too quiet for him not to hear it. So we got to come up with all these different plays, um, you know, different code words for things that we want to be throwing. So that's been interesting to add into the wrinkle. And that's something I've actually wanted to add into the wrinkle a little bit because I knew where I was heading. I knew in the last couple of years, the tear I've been on, um, I know I knew it's only a matter of time before I get there. I think it was a mindset change where I was like, I am one of the best in the world. So, like, let's start preparing like you're going to be the best in the world. And when that happened, it, it's like nothing can stop me now. You're coming up on almost 10 years in the game as a professional. You know, you were talking about earlier that, you know, this is going to be the best year of your life. Was the was the road rocky for you? Did you have times where you're like, man, am I going to ever make it to, you know, the so-called major leagues? Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, over 10 years, it's probably mm. – it hasn't crossed my mind as much as I think you would think it would, but mm. it's definitely crossed my mind. I remember – um I lost to Julian Erosa. He had just got cut by the UFC. And I took the fight on two weeks' notice, um, and I gassed out. I just wasn't ready for it. I mean, the guy was too good. He was already coming from that elite level, and I was his first fight out. So uh, he beat me up. He beat me up real bad. Gave me a concussion that, like, I couldn't look at light for six weeks. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do any physical activity. I, my brain would start hurting so bad. Um, so I was like... I was on the cusp of being done. I was like, I don't think it like, is this worth it? Am I going to make it? That guy just got cut by the UFC and he beat me up bad. Um, so I took like six months off and just healed up and rested. And then I got an offer to fight, uh, for brave combat federation in the middle East. And I was like, well, let's go see if we actually want to do this still. I get to go see the middle East somewhere. I've never been. They're going to pay me some money. That's pretty sweet. And we'll see if we, uh, if we go in and win this fight and how we feel. And I was fighting a 17-year-old Brazilian who's in the UFC now, Alex Laco, who uh, after I get this contract, that's who I want to fight. Because he ended up beating me, but that's because I didn't train for six months and then took it on three weeks' notice. So um, that first round, if you go back and watch that fight, I whooped his butt in that first round. And then, so then I gassed out. I mean, I, I didn't train for six months and then fought three weeks later. Of course I gassed out. Duh. It's not being a professional. So I got, when I was on the flight home, I was like, that guy's 17-0. He's about to be in the UFC. He's from Brazil. He's all these things that me growing up as a MMA fan, like, this guy is one of those dudes. He's one of the best in the world. Like, all he checks all the boxes. And you just smoked him. 10-8'd him in the first round. Tossed him all over the place. Dropped him on the feet with hands. You can do this. You're one of the best in the world. And that right there, that flight home is when I said, that's what's going to, it's going to change now. I started, I got to sign another fight which was awesome. I started training and then I blew my shoulder out, completely blew everything out in my shoulder. So then I was out for another year 
Um, but still, the mindset didn't change that. And the mindset was, this is only a setback. This is to see how bad you want it. This is life testing you. Do you want it bad enough to work through this and go back and get it again? Or is this not what you want to do anymore? And my brain was like, we're going to work. We're going to work. We're going to work. And I just hit the bag, hit the bag, hit the bag. Let the shoulder heal, lifted, exercises, PT. And then when I came back, my first fight was for a title fight in cage sport against Nathan Stolen. And like I said, it lasted a minute 30. I was like, this is it. We're going. We're riding this rocket right to the UFC, to the championship. So it was the it was like a click in your mind after that like slump, I guess, so to say. You know, in sports, there's always that slump that you go through. And you went through that slump, and you came out, and mentally just clicked for you. Yeah, it was also the first time I'd ever experienced two consecutive losses. Mm-hmm. Like, I've lost throughout my career, but I had never lost twice in a row. Um, and that was, a, that was like, it was almost like a punch to the gut, literally and figuratively, because... It was like, you aren't winning these fights because you're not taking the sport serious. So we got to take this, take it serious. After that moment, it was 100%, I'm in, and we're actually going to make a run at this because you are good enough to do this. So since that moment, I mean, I'm 4-1 and one in the one loss. I had a fractured tibia bone in my leg, and the dude kicked me a bunch. So, you know, congrats to him on that. But I feel like if we fought again, it doesn't go that way contender series tj laramie he's highly touted you know there's a lot of hype behind him as this big canadian prospect what are your thoughts on him and the the style of fighting that he brings forth um you know what like i said earlier he's uh he's young he's 22 years old that's always an advantage um you know you got that young guy cardio um i'm i'm getting a little older now i'm 29 still pretty young though i don't even really feel like i've hit my prime yet um strength wise um but having been in the game so long my i'm definitely in my prime technique wise i've never been as sharp as i've as i feel for this camp um everything's going together perfect with tj we really just gotta we gotta impose our will tj's really good at backing guys up and going forward but every time he's going backwards he doesn't look confident and so we're gonna shake that confidence right away he's gonna try and get in my face if he gets too close to me he's gonna get dumped on his head or taken down to his back it's just the way he thinks he's a good enough wrestler to stop me. He's not. I'm more accomplished in Canadian wrestling than he is, and he's a natural Canadian. Mm-hmm. I only wrestled there for a year. Okay, mm-hmm. so there's no way he's stopping me from taking him down if I choose to take him down. Um, that being said, I think I can make him miss on that big right hand he likes to throw um, and really punish him on the feet as well. So I think realistically, my goal is to just go out and be the best Daniel Swain I can be. Mm-hmm. And wherever that takes me, that takes me. But I'm looking to finish. I'm a, I got 17 finishes out of my 20 wins. That's what I do, dude. I finish, guys. I do not want to be there for 15 minutes. That doesn't sound fun to me. I'd rather get in there, smoke you, and then get paid, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I'm just trying to get my money as quick as possible. Yeah. I don't need to be there the whole time. So same with this contract, man. I don't need to be in there for 15 minutes and show Dana White a slobber knocker to get that contract. I'm going there whoop TJ's ass, and then let's go. Give me that contract. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, you know, this year is all about adjustments too. You know, the training camp, you you must have made adjustments. What's the team? You know, wh- who are your coaches? What are your closest training partners? Because this must be a small group. Yeah, it's very small groups. Um, has been since May, like I said. Uh, my head coach, Pablo Afonso, um, he kind of took over everything and started running uh, small group classes for me. Um, with guys like Josh Reddinghouse, who's a top contender in M1. 
Uh, should be on the contender series or in the UFC soon. That guy's a beast for a 135-pounder. He went five rounds with Marlon Marais in the World Series of Fighting back in the day. Um, so that's like he's my main training partner throughout uh, the whole camp. Then I got guys like my uh, my best friend growing up, and he wrestled with me all growing up as well, Jacob Lindell. Like when we're talking about wrestling, there's no one who pushes me and can he knows my style, so I have to completely adapt my style of wrestling to beat him just like he has to do to beat me. So it's constantly adjusting each other's styles and making sure we're the best we can be. And then um, Joel Thomas is one of my Met coaches and one of my grappling coaches as well. And he's a super uh, tough guy to come in and work with. And he really helps me get to that next level as well. And Richie Whitson really helps my striking. He was uh, on the ultimate fighter with Dan Henderson versus Michael Bisping team quest alum for a long time. Um, So having him when he moved up here a few years back, was such a great addition to my team and so having him is awesome um and then uh, we got this young guy who i uh, brought into this camp because i really like his tenacity i mean he is one of those dudes that just doesn't stop coming and tries to get it and michael sear uh, we, call, we call him money maker mike because we know he's going to make some money when he gets older and he starts doing this professionally um but he's been a beast to have in there as well and he's always making sure i'm not slacking and because if i see an amateur doing more work than i'm doing that's just not gonna fly i'm not that guy so I, I like to have him in there because he pushes. And so I'm like, all right, you're going to push. We're going to push today. Let's push. And we're going to battle the whole time for who's pushing harder. So having a small group like that, but that small group is so important to me because they're helping me get to that next level. Of course, man. Um, one last thing before I let you go, man. Uh, there's many different types of competitors, and you've had a, a number of fights. Would you consider yourself right now at this point in your career more of a martial artist or a prize fighter? You know, I, that's a that's a good question. Um, the money is great, like that's, mm-hmm. but the money is really like the fact that I get to make a living doing something I love. Mm-hmm. That's where the, that's why the money is important. Because I, if I, since I can pay my bills doing it, mm-hmm. then it, then that makes me happy. That makes my life better. It makes my family's life better. So, I'm a prize fighter in that sense of the word. Where I want big paychecks. I want to take care of my family. I want my kids' college. I got five kids, man. In 10 years, I have kids going to college, you know? So I got I got to save up some money for their college funds, bro. I'm not trying to get them in a bunch of debt like I had to to go to college. So um, so I'm a prize fighter in that sense. Like, pay me some money. I know what I'm worth, so pay me some money. But in the, in the martial arts sense, like, the fact that I've been at this 10 years and it's been the same goal the whole time, be a UFC champion, be in the UFC, be one of the elites – um, if you're not a true martial artist, this, this sport's going to eat you up and spit you out. And it almost happened to me in the past. I think I was more of a prize fighter in the past, mm-hmm. but now having got to this mindset, we're like, be the best. That's what's important. Be the best you. That's more of that martial arts sense. Mm-hmm. So I would say I'm a mixture of both, but, um, when it comes down to the important stuff, it's my, the most important thing is just showing my kids that through hard work, through persistence and dedication, you can achieve your goals. Like you can reach those dreams that you that everyone says are crazy. Only one percent make it to the UFC. Yeah, that's probably true. But I'm I'm one of those one percent guys. I'm one of those bad dudes that are gonna make it. And just showing my kids, my boys that, and my little girl that, I think that's what makes me the true martial artist. Yeah, man. There's no motivation like children, man. I'm telling you, there's no motivation oh, dude, like children. Yeah. Last Friday, I when I had my baby, I was like. Man, I can't get to the gym for a couple of days because I got a newborn. So we're gonna hit cardio hard. 
I don't know if I've ever run harder in my life than right after that little baby was born. I don't know what it is. Like a baby being born, you're like, I gotta get it, dude. Oh, and I was like sprinting four miles straight. It was, it was hard, but like it wasn't hard at the same time because the whole time you're just thinking about that cute little baby's face and how you're going to make his life the best you can make it. So, um, it's awesome, man. I love having all my kids. They're such a great motivator and I'm super excited uh, to show them what I'm capable of on the 11th. All right, man. Like you said, August 11th contender series, Las Vegas, Daniel, appreciate the time. Congrats on the new child. Good luck on the fight. And uh, hopefully next time we're talking, man, you're, you're making your UFC debut. Oh, I hope so too, man. I'm a, I'm pretty sure I'm going to let Dana know that he, he waited way too long. I'm like, this was a mistake, dude. You should have signed me so long ago. He's going to know after after the 11th. 